Well, as promised, I'm back here with Matt Gaspers of Catholic Family News, and we're going to continue our discussion of Archbishop Vigano's address to the Catholic Identity Conference, which was last week. But since Matt and I spoke, Archbishop Vigano put out his second letter to President Trump, warning him against the globalist reset. And when Matt and I signed off earlier this week, we said, hey, we're going to come back and do a part two. We're going to focus on everything that Archbishop Vigano taught last week on globalism. And then wouldn't you know it, we had a, another Vigano statement about yep. globalism. So it's it's providential that we pause there and we'll continue again this week. And Matt Gaspers, welcome back. How are you? Thanks. Doing well, Taylor. Congratulations on your uh, speech and your prayer uh, at the Trump rally over the weekend. That was awesome. It I was. tried to tune in live, but for some reason, the video feed, I've, I was looking at the Trump uh, Trump YouTube channel and it, I could find the video, but there was nothing coming through at the time. So I tried, yeah. but yeah, my but wife was the same. Video. My wife, my wife was the same. It was, it was amazing. I mean, we were told there was going to be three Trump rallies that day in all in Pennsylvania. And then when I got there, they said they added a fourth after ours. And so the schedule got off and uh, president Trump was running late on Marine one. And so everything got moved around on the, I think even the news stations were all confused, but it was fantastic. Um, it was a great honor to be there. And I, we heard there's going to be 14,000 people at that rally, and then we heard there's 20,000 there. And then after we left, we heard there was 57,000 people Whoa. at the Butler Pittsburgh Airport event. And um, it was amazing. I've never seen so much energy. It was like being at the World Series. And, like, wow. um, I mean, there was so much energy and, and so much joy and so much happiness. It was, uh, I'll never forget it. It was just, I've never been to anything like that before. And uh, it was an honor to open up with a little speech and uh, to say a prayer for the president. And, uh, it, you know, I, I said, in nomine patris et fidei spiritus sancti in Latin. And I also, before that, did a little speech and I quoted Vigano with his address to um, President Trump about how divine providence has placed him in this moment. Yes. And how if he fears the name of the Lord, God will give him the graces of state as president. Yes. And um, and in the prayer I quoted Vigano, which is, of course, quoting the Psalms, that if, if President Trump um, honors God, that God will grant him victory by God's right hand. So, um, yes. uh, yeah, let me, can I read that part real quick of the prayer? Of course. I yes. think every, everybody on this channel has seen the, uh, uh, there's a video of the prayer, but, um, I'll just read the whole thing. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's short. It's short. So it begins, uh, and I'll pray it again right now. We'll, let's pray yeah. it and then we'll do our, our father, but in nomine patris et fide et spiritus sancti. Amen. Amen. Heavenly God and merciful father, through the sacred blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, we commend and dedicate the United States of America to your fatherly care. May we dwell secure in the peace that comes from Jesus Christ, your eternal Son. Look mercifully upon our nation as we turn to you, as we pray to you, and as we seek your face. Forgive us our sins and heal our land. Grant us law and order on earth as it is in heaven. Grant to your servant, Donald John Trump, the President of the United States of America, 
the gifts of wisdom and fortitude, both to know and to, and to accomplish your divine will for our beloved nation. By the miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit, perfectly fill our president's heart with the love for truth, the love for justice, and a love for you. By honoring and fearing your holy name, may your right hand grant him the victory on November 3rd. We offer this prayer through the holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. And now Amen. we'll pray our, our Pater Noster, our Father, together. All right. Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctificator nomen tuum, adveniant regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Amen. Nomine Patris et Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen. So yeah, just a, a great moment, and uh, I really, I do think that, that Trump will win. And um, I actually did consult with Archbishop Vigano before I did that, before I quoted him at the rally and included that part in the prayer, um, just to make sure it was okay, you know, mm -hmm. and got some advice on it and um, what would be the best thing to quote. I was hoping President Trump would actually be there during the prayer, but he was, like I said, he was running late, and then they rushed him out to the fourth one again. So um, none of us got to shake his hand or talk to him, which was kind of a bummer, but that's okay. Yeah, he had he had places to go, and uh, he was already behind schedule. So yeah, a great moment, and you know, I think many Catholics are waking up, Matt Gaspers, and not only are they waking up to realize that they've been sold a bill of goods, they've been sold uh, a bridge to nowhere with all this horrible catechesis that they've experienced in the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s. They were taught all religions are equal. Jesus is just one way, the privileged way to heaven. Um, you know, if you can't get sacraments, no big deal. You know, just, right. just be a good person. This sort of soft, felt banner, polyester Catholicism. And people are realizing now that, hey, once COVID hit, that whole that all, the, the 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 what was what did Mother Angelica used to call it, Matt? The American Church. She had a good mm. phrase for it. I can't remember. Anyway, I can't remember the the American fake weak hierarchy just folded like a cheap chasuble. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Polyester chasuble. <laughs> uh, it folded like a cassock album. And um, and here we are. And so along with that is sort of this political red pill that not only is it about heresy and modernism, it's also about the Vatican now trying to align itself with Abu Dhabi and China in the in the EU and the UN. Yep. Globalism. The Great Reset. Yep. The Great Reset. And right in the midst of it is Archbishop Vigano blowing the whistle. Hopefully it's also hopefully people are also waking up to the fact that church and state go together whether we like it or not and they have they affect one another whether we like it or not. Absolutely. Yeah, we Catholics do not this is going to shock people. We do not believe in the separation of church and state. We believe in the distinction of church and state. So the city has a mayor and a bishop. The bishop's not the mayor and the mayor's not the bishop. There's a right. distinction. 
But the state should always recognize Almighty God and should recognize the one true religion and the one true church. Yep. We can tolerate other. We're not going to force people to convert to our faith. Right. But we tolerate other religions, but they don't have rights before God. Correct. That's that's a big distinction that people people are learning right now. Yes, and we'll probably get more into that because Archbishop Vigano brings up Nostra Aetate and Dignitatis Humanae. Boom, yep. boom. So uh, we we left off. We if if you guys missed it, uh, Matt had some great analysis. Uh, Earlier last week, when we talked about this um, conference speech that Archbishop Vigano presented to the Catholic Identity Conference, which is, of course, spearheaded by Remnant and Michael Matt, uh, it's mm -hmm. a very impressive talk. And the entire uh, manuscript of Archbishop Vigano's talk can be found at Catholic Family News. That's what I'm looking at right now. It's just go to Catholic Family News, and it's called, um, what's the name of this title? Scapegoating Francis? Uh, yes. Yeah. And then the subtitle, uh, How the Revolution of Vatican II Serves the New World Order. And, and those, by of, the way, that's, by the way, is Vigano's title, not a title that Matt Gaspers created. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it goes very well with the Catholic Identity Conference theme this year, which is Christ or Chaos Challenging the New World Order. Mm -hmm. So all of the talks were kind of geared towards that general theme of, you know, we... As uh, Pius the Pius the Eleventh and Quas Primus, you know, we celebrated last this past well, not this past Sunday, but the previous one, October twenty fifth, was the Feast of Christ the King on the traditional calendar. And he says in that encyclical that men must look for the peace of Christ in the kingdom of Christ. So, if Christ is not King of society, there's going to be chaos in one form or another. And we're certainly seeing that today, especially with all this globalism, the, the great reset that Archbishop Vigano focuses on in his uh, latest letter to, to President Trump. So uh, as the conference says, it's either Christ or chaos, one or the other. That's right. It's a binary. The world is binary. You either serve Christ or you serve Satan. Mm -hmm. Every time we commit a mortal sin, you step out and you begin to serve Satan. When you return to Christ, you're back serving Christ. That's yep. it. There is no third intermediate body between Christ and the devil. That's it. Yep. Now, Sister Lucia Fatima summed it up very well when she said uh, during an interview, I think it was in 1957 with a Father Fuentes, she said, uh, Father, we are either for God or for the devil. There is no other possibility. I always remember that quote from that from that interview because it's so powerful. Yes, and Vigano is 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 fond on talking about the children of light and the children of darkness. Yes, and uh, uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas uses the kingdom of Christ in the kingdom of Satan. Yep, that's it. And uh, just remember, Adam and Eve in the garden, choose God or choose the serpent, choose the dragon. That's it. And when you die, there'll be a binary judgment over you. Are you mm -hmm. going to end up in heaven or are you going to be in hell? That's it. Right. So, and today's All Souls. We should mention that. That's right. I meant to say a blessed yeah. All Souls Day blessed to everybody. All Souls. Souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God. May they rest in peace. Amen. And uh, we Catholics, of course, know from the Old Testament and from the New 
and from tradition that if anyone dies with faith in Christ but is still not perfectly conformed to Christ in charity, in love, through a perfect putting away or penance for sins, um, you can spend time getting purified. Or as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians is it 3.15, you'll be Believe saved through fire. Yes. And so you're saved. You're not going to burn in hell forever, but you are going to be purified by the fires of purgatory. And so we pray for our loved ones and for the departed ones that their suffering in purgatory, their purification goes by quickly and they get yes. to heaven. So we pray and we have masses for them. And today is all souls day. And this is a day in the Catholic church. We pray and remember the faithful departed. So make sure you do that. You can visit a cemetery, pray in our father, Hail Mary, glory be for the intentions of the Pope, uh, receive communion and, Go to confession and try to detach yourself from all of your sins, and you can earn a plenary indulgence for the dead. And it's extended all month. Isn't that right, Matt? I believe so, yes. I'll have to look up those yeah. guidelines again. It used but... to be from the 1st to the 8th, and I believe, don't trust me, I might have this wrong, I believe it's been extended for the entire month. Okay. Very good. Yep. Well, let's get started. Um, Let's... Let's not begin with the new president letter. Let's begin where we left off, I think, previously. Okay. Um, when he's getting into the globalism, this is more towards the the end of the yeah. letter. Where do you want to begin, Matt? I think we left off, uh, we finished up with section six of this mm -hmm. talk, which is divided into ten sections. Yep. And I think we were going to start up again on section seven, which actually overlaps a lot from here on out with his letter to President Trump, so we can maybe jump back and forth if we need to. Yes. So this Section 7, uh, interestingly, is called Open Society, and for those familiar with George Soros, Soros that should ring a bell because that's the name of his foundation, so-called, his propaganda machine. <laughs> yeah, and big thumbs down, called the Open Society Foundation. So Archbishop Vigano titles this section, Open Society and Open Religion. And he starts out by saying, this analysis, meaning the entirety of his lecture, would hardly be complete without a word on the neo-language so popular in the ecclesiastical sphere. Catholics who, are, who grew up you know, in the 1950s or even early 60s can attest to this firsthand that the language used by churchmen has undergone a pretty radical transformation since the Second Vatican Council. New language mm -hmm. has been introduced, as he says, goes on to say, traditional Catholic vocabulary has been deliberately modified in order to change the content it expresses. That's why, as, as Taylor and I have said so many times on the show together, the oath against modernism and the texts against modernism, even going back to Pius IX's Syllabus of Errors, and the First Vatican Council, it's crucial that the faith is expressed, is always expressed with the same meaning and the same intent, using the same words. Words matter. Um, you can't radically change the vocabulary without changing the substance of the faith. And this is why we must preserve and honor Latin. I mean... Latin is a dead language, which means, like, if you went back in the uh, 1840s, Matt, and you're like, 
wow, that stagecoach is cool. They would be like, is it cold? Is it? Did it, <laughs> right. did it get snow on it? What's, why is the stagecoach cool? You see, right. the word cool changed. It means yeah. something different now. Yeah. Same thing with accident. We talk about in the Eucharist, the substance of bread and wine changes into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But the accidents, the nine accidents of bread and wine remain, right? The way they look, the way that their position, their smell, their taste, all that stuff remains. But what about the word accident? Right. Back in in 1500s, if you said accident in English, people would know you're referring to the Latin accident, which means something incidental. We would say incidental now, not essential or substantial. But now accident means you peed your pants or you wrecked your car. (laughs) right so that word i had when you say an accident people people don't know what you're talking about in english right and this is why modernists love 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 vernacular because they can use weaponized ambiguity all day long yep yep and this is why trads love latin and love greek yes because we want to preserve the tradition that we received from the apostles. And the Latin, Greek, Hebrew, these are, what do you, what's the right word here? Analogy. Uh, protection, security. Yep. Against change, against updates. I don't want, do you want updated Catholicism, Gasper? No. You want the updated revised version? You want the original version? I'm I'm good with the original yeah, version. I like definitely. the original version. <laughs> the the one that Jesus the one that Jesus instituted. That's right. That's the that's the version I'm looking for. I was gonna I was looking for a quote because something came to mind from John the Twenty Third's opening address at the council, and the irony of this is that uh, in his pontificate he actually issued an encyclical really stressing the importance of Latin and Greek, but. You know, very soon after the council opened, that kind of got thrown out the window, obviously, as we saw. I was reading a traditional catechism last night before I went to bed. Our power went off. It was all cold in the house. I had a candle. Nice. Oh, old school. Old school here at the Marshall House. We were real trad last night at the Marshall House. But I was reading a catechism, an old catechism, and it was talking about holy orders and how in order to be considered for holy orders, you have to be a man of character Yep. Have a strong mind and be prepared in Latin and Greek. And I thought, oh man, it, people would make fun of this so much nowadays. Hmm. You know? Yep. I mean, do we even assume guys have strong characters, strong minds in Latin and Greek before going, get, getting ready in the begin, either before or at the beginning of seminary? Well, sadly, I think there's lots of cases in point where that's not true, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, but this, uh, when I first read John the 23rd's opening speech at the council, this sentence has always stuck out to me as, as a real a big red flag where he says, the substance of the ancient doctrine or of the deposit of faith is one thing. So the substance of the faith is one thing, and the way in which it is presented is another. That's a, I mean, that can be true in one sense, I suppose. Yes, we can come up with, you know, different analogies and ways of explaining the faith to people. But you do have to be careful about tinkering 
with you know the same sense and the same meaning. I forget the the Latin from the First Vatican Council, but that's the phrase that St. Pius X always came back to uh, in his anti-modernist oath and other writings that you cannot significantly change the way that a, a truth of the faith is expressed without tampering with the substance of that truth. That's right. So, so a very important point. So that's the kind of the theme of this uh, section seven of Archbishop Vigano's lecture, where he talks about you know, this tampering or this tinkering with language, he says the same has happened in the liturgy and preaching where the clarity of the Catholic exposition has been replaced by ambiguity or the implicit denial of dogmatic truth. Yep. Like, like you mentioned, the weaponized ambiguity. And so he goes on to give a few examples of, um, of this uh, new kind of language present, for example, in Fratelli Tutti, the new encyclical, Pope Francis, or, or whatever it is. We, it's not, a, as you pointed out in your video, it's not really addressed to anybody in particular, so it's hard to, hard to know what exactly the thing is. But uh, some of the words that he highlights from there are um, constantly open to a new synthesis, welcome differences, the church is a home with open doors. This is all from Fertili Tutti. I mean, the church is a home with open doors, but I, I, I want to say it has doors, but they have locks on them. Right. Otherwise, why did Jesus say to Peter, whatever you bind and loose? Right. I mean, my house has doors on it, but they're not open. I mean, I'm constantly saying, close the door. Right. In the summer here in Texas, I always ask my kids, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, what do I say? I don't want the, I don't want to air condition the whole zip code. Close the door. Right. I want the doors closed. I don't want bugs, snakes, dogs, animals, strangers in my house. So exactly. If it's my family and people I know and my friends, the door is always open for them. They can come on in. Otherwise there needs to be some binding and loosing there at the threshold. Absolutely. And if we are, as Archbishop Vigano emphasizes, the the church militant, then the church is all the church on earth is also a fortress. It's not just a home, because we're at war. It has walls too. What I heard, yeah. read, I read in the Bible, it has walls. Yep, that's right. That's right. So something uh, interesting that he brings up here, uh, we all, he also. Archbishop Vigano highlights there's a, a phrase in Fratelli Tutti that says, we want to be a church that serves, that leaves home and goes forth from its places of worship, goes forth from its sacristies in order to accompany life, to sustain hope, to be the sign of unity, to build bridges, to break down walls. So the first thing that comes to mind with build bridges, obviously, is Father James Martin's book, Building Bridges. And then breaking down walls, well, what is Francis constantly saying? You know, I, I had to remind somebody on, uh, I think it was social media the other day, that Francis did actually openly attack President Trump on the campaign trail February 2016. And, it, I mean, he didn't name him, but it, the question brought, the question from a journalist mentioned President, or then candidate Donald right. Trump. And so the Pope was obviously referring to him, somebody who only talks about building walls and not building bridges, I'm paraphrasing, is not a Christian. Right. It's a pretty audacious thing to say. 
especially from coming from a man who happens to live behind a giant wall in in Vatican City. The only time in seven years of Pope Francis that he's ever condemned a person that I know of directly. Yeah, I don't. All kinds of madness in the world, and uh, Trump is the one that gets gets an arrow. So the, yep. So this whole idea of open society, open home, open church, the religious side of the coin, he refers to as open religion. And he says, open religion is perfectly in tune with the intention, the intentions of globalism from the political meetings, quote, for a new humanism blessed by the leaders of the church to the participation of the progressive intelligentsia in green propaganda, it all chases after the mainstream thought. And it's interesting, and he gets into this a couple paragraphs down, where did this notion of new humanism come from? And I'm, I think you probably quote this address in your book. I can't remember which page in Infiltration, but uh, Pope Paul VI, in closing the Second Vatican Council, gave a very provocative address uh, in which he said, and, and Archbishop Vigano quotes him as saying, it's kind of, it's an extended quote, he says, the religion of the God who became man has met the religion, for such it is, of man who makes himself God. And what happened? Was there a clash, a battle, a condemnation? There could have been, and we should, and we can say there should have been, but there was none. This is Pope Paul VI talking, December 8th, 1965. The old story of the Samaritan has been the model of the spirituality of the council. That is very interesting Mm -hmm. to pause there because that is the centerpiece of Fratelli Tutti. For those who have done the the painstaking work of reading that document, (laughs) and I emphasize indulgence for it. Yeah. Um, the, chapter two of Fratelli Tutti is devoted to this subject of the Good Samaritan, and that—that's what Francis wants the Church to be—is the Good Samaritan. So, kind of surrendering this notion of the Church militant, and obviously the Church. Yes, we do need to care for those in need, but it's not an either-or proposition. We have to be both and, kind of like the the old military orders during the Crusades. I mean, some of them were devoted. You know, they devoted themselves to helping the sick and the injured and stuff like that, but they also took up arms to fight against the infidels. So it's Yeah, it's, I mean the Knights Hospitaller, right? They practiced hospitality in hospitals. They took care of sick people. Mercy ministry. Right. They also carried swords. Yep. Yep. So it's not an either or, it's yep. definitely a both and. But in the vision of Francis and ultimately the Second Vatican Council, it is an either-or proposition. Either you are the the docile, you know, caring, loving, good Samaritan, or you're the horrible, the warrior, you know, <laughs> which they don't want, which they don't want to see Catholics engaging in that sort of thing. So this quote from Paul the Sixth uh, goes on and says, "A feeling of boundless sympathy has permeated the whole of it, meaning the whole of the council." Mm-hmm. The attention of our council has been absorbed by the discovery of human needs, and these needs grow in proportion to the greatness which the son of the earth claims for himself. 
But we call upon those who term themselves modern humanists and who have renounced the transcendent value of the highest realities to give the council credit at least for one quality. So he's calling on basically pagans, modern modern people, um, to recognize our own new type of humanism. In the Italian, it simply says new humanism. We too, in fact, we more than any others, honor mankind. And that's a, an interesting thing to say for, for the vicar of Christ. I mean, honor mankind how exactly, <laughs> you know? Well, we have to remember that the new theology, the nouvelle theologie, that reared its head and became popular in the 1950s, 5 actually 1940s, but really got into vogue in the 1950s, it assumes that all men are naturally oriented and inclined to the beatific vision and to God. This is not a Thomistic understanding. It's a it's a new, a nouvelle theologie. And because of that, that means that all all you need to do with humans, Matt, is you just need to accompany them. They're all going to they're all going to heaven. They're all going to God. They have a little compass in them. Even whereas before the council and in traditional Catholic theology, all of us are in bondage to sin. And death, we are in bondage to sin. You read the church fathers, you read St. Paul, you even read Christ. Right? There's an overflow from our heart that is sinful from our conception. Right. Because we're born outside the garden, we're born outside sanctifying grace. And because of that, we desperately need the sacrament of baptism, which is the sacrament of faith, hope, and charity. Yes. And that faith, open charity restores justice in us, but we still have a battle to fight in this life. If you deny original sin and you believe that all humans are born with a magic compass in their heart and it's already pointing perfect north to heaven, all you got to do is just walk with people, dialogue, a company. They're all going. They're all going to go there. That's the religion of Fratelli Tutti. Yes. That's the religion of the post-Vatican II era. That is the spirit of Vatican II. The denial of original sin, the denial of the need for the sacraments, the need for grace, and just patting everyone on their back as they all take this beautiful journey to heaven, no matter what their religion is. Yep. Two thumbs down. Fake. Fake. Pelagianism. Naturalism. Freemasonry. Yes. Modernism. That's what it is. Yes. And actually, shortly after giving that quote, uh, Archbishop Vigano actually says, gives an origin of the of this anti-church that he's talking about a lot these days. He says, an anti-church born of the unclean union between the church and the world, between the heavenly Jerusalem and the hellish Babylon. Mm. And he says, note well, the first time a pontiff mentioned the so-called new humanism was at the final session of Vatican II. And today we find it repeated as a mantra right. by those who consider it a perfect and co coherent expression of the revolutionary men's or frame of mind of the council. Right. Yep. 
And people wonder why after 50 years we're still spilling ink and debating Vatican II. This is why Vigano is so hardcore on Vatican II. Yep. Yep. Before we, I don't know if you had much else you wanted to mention in this section. Yeah, seven, I mean, he where... talks about the the green theology in Laudato Si. I think it's worth worth noting here that Vigano yes. connects connects globalism, communism, Great Reset with green theology in Laudato Si. Yes, I think that's a very. I think people. I don't, I don't think he says it here, but I think Fratelli Tutti is sort of a continuation of Laudato Si. Yeah, he actually does. I think he does make that connection if I yeah. see if I, the, oh, here's, He says the new humanism obviously has an environmental and ecological yes, frame into which are grafted both the encyclical Laudato Si and green theology. And that's he, also where he says... There's the idolatrous worship of the Pachamama in the presence yes. of the Roman Sanhedrin. Yes. Whoa. Because <laughs> the Sanhedrin or Sanhedrin is the synod. It actually comes from that Greek word synod. Right. Of the elders and priests of Jerusalem who tried and then betrayed Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes. In AD 33. And here he's saying that the presence of the Pachamama in front of the Pope in the Roman Curia and the Cardinals, he calls them the Roman Sanhedrin. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, whoa. It's very striking language Archbishop for sure. Vigano. And what does he say? I'm going to put bit... the picture on the screen here of Archbishop yep. Vigano looking tough. There we go. And you can't see it, picture. but it's, it's the tough one. Yeah, I know the one. It's yep. the V for Victory Vigano picture where he's like, how dare you teach heresy <laughs> in the one true church. That's right. So he says uh, a little bit further down, the bottom line is this, conformity on the part of the anti-church with the dominant ideology of the modern world establishes a real cooperation with powerful representatives of the deep state starting with those working towards a so-called sustainable economy, and then he names some names, involving Jorge Mario Bergoglio, Bill Gates, Jeffrey Sachs, John Elkin, and Gunter Pauli. So. Yeah, that's one of the things I've been so confused on, Matt, is if Pope Francis and all these liberal socialists are all about the little guy, the worker, why are they always piling around with the billionaire auto techcrats? Yep. And I Look think at who goes the, to these meetings in Rome. The billionaire the, buddies. Yep. Not the little guy. The, you know who the little right. guys are, Matt? Right. The little guys are the guys who are have four kids in tow with their wife who is working hard and is exhausted and homeschooling. That's the little guy in the church. That's right. Those are the those are the that's the backbone. That's the people of the church. Not these non-Catholic billionaires who are flying in on their special jets to these these colloquia and, and symposia in Rome. Right. And very uh very fancy dinners attached to them, I'm sure. Gorging themselves. <laughs> Come on. Crazy. Tone deaf. So he does make an interesting uh, observation. He says the deep state 
needs to secure low-cost labor through immigration, which at the same time contributes to the cancellation of the religious, cultural, and linguistic identity of the nations involved. So moving towards this open society, this you know world without borders. And then he connects it to the deep church. The deep church lends an ideological and pseudo-theological basis to this invasion plan, and at the same time guarantees a share in the lucrative business of hospitality. Now, I know you've spoken about this before, but uh, I don't think enough Catholics realize how much money the USCCB, for example, gets from the federal government for all of these immigration uh, and, and integration into our society kind of programs. It's, it's a huge amount of money. Yeah, Michael Hitchburn at Lepanto Institute does a lot of great work on that. Others as well. I think Complicit Clergy also covers those numbers as well. Do y'all do, do cover those numbers at CFN? We probably have in the past. Yeah. I don't know if we've done so recently, but I know John Venari, God rest his soul, was was definitely into that. Yes. So, um, I think this next the section eight is a pretty significant one. I think connecting the dots between Vatican II and uh, Freemasonry. Yes. And I will have some, some the things to say about that. The that's brotherhood. Right. Yeah. That's right. So he calls it, uh, uh, section eight is the ideological foundations of brotherhood. And he gets right into it. The first paragraph, the theme of brotherhood and obsession for Bergoglio finds its first formulation in drum roll, Nostra Aetate and Dignitatis Humanae. So again, for those who may not be familiar, Nostra Aetate is the Second Vatican Council's declaration on the relationship of the Church to non-Christian religions, and Dignitatis Humanae is the declaration on religious liberty, and they're very much uh, intertwined in some ways, because Nostra Aetate is basically pointing out all that's good and praiseworthy in the religions of the world, um, kind of neglecting in, in our opinion, anyway, the, the call to conversion to the one true religion. And then Dignitatis Humanae seems to presume the secular nature of the, the modern state, that it's impossible to return to any sort of Christendom, and then focuses on the subjective right of individuals to um, not be coerced into accepting the one true faith, which as Taylor mentioned earlier, yes, the church does not coerce anyone to convert, but objectively speaking, the state always, even today, has a, a duty to honor God and to, uh, and to protect the one true religion. That's the constant teaching of the church uh, prior to the Second Vatican Council. So let's see what Archbishop Vigano goes on to say. The, the, oh, you, gonna, do you mind if I, if I read a choice quote from this section? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, maybe you were going to do it. I don't know. But he says uh, at the very beginning of that section, the latest encyclical for Tutte is the manifesto of this Masonic vision in which they cry, liberté, égalité, fraternité, replaced by the gospel for the sake of a unity among men that leaves out God. Yep. Note that the document on human fraternity for world peace and living together signed in Abu Dhabi on February 4th, 2019 was proudly defended by Bergoglio with these words, quote, from the Catholic point of view, the document did not go one millimeter beyond the second Vatican council End quote. 
And this, Matt Gaspers, is where groups like Catholic Answers Live and, and the other papal apologists for Pope Francis, you know, they come on and say, oh, when he said, you know, civil unions and the Spanish doesn't really mean a gay civil union. Well, guess what happened yesterday? Vatican came out and clarified it. They mean gay civil unions. They clarified that. So these these conservative Catholic, not traditional, but conservative or neocon Catholic groups are always trying to defend Francis. Pope splaining, as it's Pope splaining, <laughs> exactly. And you know, Athena Schneider and others criticized the Abu Dhabi document from 2019. Yep. Right, and they're critical of Vatican II and Dignitatis Humanae. Right and Nostra Aetate and these documents that do contain contradictions with previous papal teaching, and then all of a sudden, you know, Pope Francis jumps back out and he says, "Look, from the Catholic point of view, what I said did not move one millimeter from Vatican II." Yep. So when you attack and say, "Francis, you're contradicting these previous popes," he says, "No, no, no, I'm in Vatican II." Yep. This is what we call the Vatican II card. Yeah. You just play it all day. <laughs> Well, why aren't we doing this? Vatican II. Why aren't you saying Mass ad orientum? Vatican II. Why don't we have Latin? Vatican II. Latin Mass. Vatican II. Why, aren't, why do we have to wait eight months to have our baby baptized? Vatican II. Boop, 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 boop. Yep. Trump, uh, not, uh, not Trump card. Vatican II. Card. <laughs> Vatican II Trump card, if you want. Yep. Yes, and he goes on to provide another very important quote, uh, Vigano does, from a Cardinal Miguel Ayuso uh I don't know the last name, Guisot or Guixotz. It's a, he's a Spanish prelate, yeah. president of the... Guixot, Pont- maybe? Yeah. yeah. I'm, my apologies for mispronouncing that. I'm sure I did. <laughs> but he's the president of the Pontifical Council for Interreligious Dialogue, so the, the council that exists because of these documents, basically. And he's also the president. He was elected the president of the, the Higher Committee on Implementing the document on human fraternity, which, uh, as I understand it, was not this higher committee was not established by the Vatican, but it's very highly supported by the Vatican. Uh, and it's got other, you know, men from the United Arab Emirates who were involved with organizing the, the meeting in Abu Dhabi in February 2019. So Archbishop Vigano provides this quote to essentially to corroborate his claim that the theme of brotherhood finds its first formulation in Nostra Aetate and Dignitatis Humanae. That's exactly what this high-ranking cardinal, cardinal appointed by Francis, I think in 2019, who says, quote, with the council, the embankment gradually cracked and then broke. Mm. There's a famous quote about tearing down the bastions. I forget if that was uh, Rahner or von Balthasar, one of the Nobel theology, uh, theology guys. This cardinal goes on, the river of dialogue has spread with the council documents, Nostra Aetate, uh, on the relationship between the church and believers of other religions and Dignitatis Humanae on religious freedom, themes and documents that are closely linked to each other. And, this is very significant, have allowed St. John Paul II to give life to meetings such as the World Day of Prayer for Peace in Assisi on October 27th, 1986. So here we have a clear admission that that, you know, pan-religious, terrible meeting that took place in 1986 is the direct result of the Second Vatican Council documents. So again, those who want to say, well, 
you know, that was an aberration or that's not what the council intended. Well, according to these men, that's exactly what the council had in mind. It's amazing, Matt, that what the trad, the traditional Catholics are saying and what the actual Pope, Pope Francis and his people are saying is the same thing. Right. It, it's really the neocons in the middle who are kind of in, in, in dissonance here. Right. You and I and, and Michael Matt and Archbishop Lefebvre and Schneider and Vigano and, you know, uh, Michael Davies. I mean, we could go on and on with these names. Right. We're all saying, look, what happened in 1986, the idolatry at the St. Francis Basilica, where they put an idol of Buddha on a Catholic altar, perhaps a tabernacle, but definitely on a Catholic altar dedicated to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That right there is treason against Jesus Christ. And it's a direct flow from Nostra Aetate and Dignitatis right. Humanae. And guess who says the same thing? Pope Francis and all of his yep. friends and their committees and the religious inter- inner dialogue group. It's the people in the middle over at Catholic Answers and First Things and uh, Word on Fire and all that who are trying to say, well, no, 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 it's not. They're both good. They're the ones who in 2020 are caught in the middle of this crossfire. Right. And looking more and more desperate and frankly ridiculous trying to do so. Right. It's very sad to see, though. But before we move on, I just want to read the last sentence of this quote from uh, the Spanish cardinal president of the Council for Interreligious Dialogue, because it it demands a response. He says, The Catholic Church's commitment to interreligious dialogue, which opens the way to peace and fraternity. So according to him, dialogue is the way to peace and fraternity, not the social kingship of Christ is part of her original mission. What? Where does it say in the gospel uh, that the, the church's original mission is to go out and dialogue? Did our Lord tell the apostles, go forth and dialogue with all nations? It's not That's in my not, Bible. Not I what it says in my Bible. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the Vulgate here. I'm not seeing it. What I read in my Bible is he says, going forth, going therefore, teach ye all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Yeah. It's, it's like commandments, Matt? Are you telling that Jesus <laughs> left commandments that we should observe? Huh. I thought it was just about dialogue, according to Francis. <laughs> Oh man! So and and before we uh, and can I also point out that the very last thing that he quotes here is the Alta Vendita. That's right. Were you going to say that? Yeah, definitely. We got to touch on that before we move on. Yeah, he quotes Austin Ivory, Ivory, who, by the way, just attacked me today on Twitter Hmm. for being a convert. If you're a convert, you're bad. Ay ay ay. Uh, he said it's these converts that are causing all the problems. Um, but he he uh, he says Austin Ivory, the ha- hagiographer of Bergoglio, confirms with satisfaction this interpretation that a Catholic would rightly consider at least disturbing. And he says, I remember that in the Masonic documents of the Alta Vendita since the 19th century, an infiltration of Freemasonry in the church was planned. Thank you, Vigano, for using the word infiltration. And he says, quote, 
you too will fish some friends and lead them to the feet of the apostolic sea. You will have preached revolution in tiara and cope, proceeded under the cross and banner, a revolution that will need only a little help to set the quarters of the world on fire. So here what the Alta Vendita is discussing is that one day, through the tiara and cope, so the tiara is the papal tiara and the cope is the cape that the Pope wears, that revolution will be preached from the papacy yep. one day. And that is the plan of Freemasonry from the early 1800s, which I detail in a book called Infiltration, The Plot to Destroy the Church from Within. Yep. It goes back to the 1830s, 1840s, and it's all laid out in the permanent instruction of the Alta Vendita, which you can read in the appendix of the book. Yep. This is the plan. And guess what? They got there. They did. And if I recall correctly, the, the plan uh, articulated in the Alta Vendita, they don't necessarily want a an actual formal, you know, you could say card-carrying Freemason as the Pope. They want a Pope that is thoroughly corrupted and thoroughly imbued with their ideas. Yeah, as um, they can, say... Can I read the passage? Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so this is uh, in the appendix, Infiltration, page 267. It says, The Pope, whoever he may be, will never come to the secret societies. It is for the secret societies to come first to the church with the aim of winning them both. See, so they don't want the Pope to say, hey, I'm a Freemason. I got a, one of those little aprons on. I'm Scottish <laughs> right now. They don't want that. Right. It says, we must go to the church and win them both, church and Pope. The work which we have undertaken is not the work of a day, nor of a month, nor of a year. It may last many years, a century perhaps. But in our ranks, the soldier dies and the fight continues. We do not mean to win the popes to our cause, to make them neophytes of our principles and propagators of our ideas. That would be a ridiculous dream, no matter, no, no matter in what manner events may turn. Should cardinals or prelates, for example, enter, willingly or by surprise, in some manner into a part of our secrets, it would be by no means a motive to desire their elevation to the see of Peter. That elevation would destroy us. Ambition alone would bring them to apostasy from us. The needs of power would force them to immolate us. That which we ought to demand, that which we ought to seek and expect, as the Jews expected of the Messiah, is a pope according to our wants. So they're saying, look, we don't want to do a big, big show and a big recruitment saying Cardinal so-and-so is a Freemason, Archbishop so-and-so is a Freemason. We want a pope according to our wants, our teachings. Right. So a lot of people misunderstand. They say, oh, Taylor, Taylor's saying every, everyone's a Freemason. Look, it's better for them if they're not officially a Freemason, but they have Freemasonic ideas bubbling around in their head. Yep. That's the subtlety of the Alta Vendita. It is. It is. And, the, and Archbishop Vigano provides a powerful quote to that effect. Uh, in his lecture, he says, It is no surprise, therefore, that the infamous Grand Lodge of Spain, after having warmly congratulated its paladin, or like its surrogate, raised to the throne, has once again paid homage to Bergoglio with these words in reference to uh, Fratelli Tutti. And he it says at the end of this quote, 
Pope Francis's latest encyclical shows how far the present Catholic Church is from its previous positions. In Fratelli Tutti, the Pope embraced the universal brotherhood, the great principle of Freemasonry. Wow. I mean, that's right from the Freemasons themselves. Yep. And as you noted in your video, you know, dissecting the, the encyclical, the, their phrase, um, the, the liberty, equality, fraternity, mm -hmm. the, the motto of the French Revolution is actually in the document as a, a section heading. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I quote these things and, you know, and people on the left just said, well, Marshall just did control F search. Hmm. And you know, <laughs> um, no, read the statement. Why is it that the Freemasons who are the enemies of the Catholic church are praising this document? Yeah. Did they do the same? Did they do the same thing I did? But just from a different perspective. Why do I and the Freemason agree that this is a Freemasonic document? Right. Coincidence? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's section eight. Now we move on to section nine, the subversion of the individual and social relationship with God. He says, while in the Church of Christ, the relationship of the soul with the Lord is eminently personal, even when it's conveyed by the sacred minister in liturgical action, in the conciliar church, that's the church since Vatican II, the community and the group relationship prevails. And this is why, Matt, we have these these, these um, invalid baptisms where the ministers were invalidly saying, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is invalid and heretical. The church says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yes. So it's not an act... The sacraments are not an act of the community that are an act of Christ in persona Christi. Right. When the priest says mass, he's not, he's not a symbol of the community. Right. Because if he were a symbol of the community, he should be a woman because the church is, is bride. So right. we should have a female priesthood. But we don't. We have a male-only priesthood because the, the priest ministers as the groom, as the king. Jesus yep. Christ. And so he has to be a male. Yes. Right? And when he baptizes, he baptizes as Christ. And when he confirms, he confirms as Christ. When he absolves your sinner, your sins in penance, he does it in the person of Christ. Yep. This is Catholicism. That's right. It's not, it's not the community making transubstantiation or the community baptizing or the community marrying. Not communal. What are these communal reconciliation services? <laughs> I never even yes. been to one of those. When mm -hmm. I hear about that, I don't want to go to that. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's. Not, I mean, it's a form of collectivism, or mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of synonymous with socialism, communism. And he says, "Excuse me. It is evident, however, that the first step of this revolution, this collectivization, is to be found in the conciliar men's or mind." beginning with the indoctrination of the Christian people constituted by the Reformed liturgy, meaning the Novus Ordo, in which the individual merges into the assembly by depersonalizing himself, and the community devolves into a collection of individuals by losing their identity. So, 
Barrett's another strong statement regarding the, the problems with the new mass, for sure. Which is a religious version of communism. Like I said the other day, ecumenism is the religious version of globalism. And these communal liturgies are really the communist socialist version of tr some attempt to worship. Right. Liturgy. Right. He says um, uh, here at the end. Oh, you you just read that. My bad. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, so that's, that's 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 section nine. Yeah. Section yeah. nine is kind of brief. Sure. And then, so uh, uh, section 10 is cause and effect. If we want to undo the harmful effects we see before us, it is necessary and indispensable to remove the factors that cause them. Yes. Yes, and he says, we have seen that the actions carried out during Vatican II have had the desired effect, giving concrete form to that anthropological turning point, a turning towards man, which today has led to the apostasy of the anti-church and the eclipse of the true church of Christ. We spoke a lot about the, that eclipse in part one of our analysis of this document, this lecture. So he goes on to say, Therefore, let us put aside once and for all the vain distinctions concerning the presumed goodness of the council, the betrayal of the will of the Synod Fathers, the letter and spirit of Vatican II. We, we hear a lot about, you know, well, what did Vatican II actually say versus the so-called spirit? Uh, he goes on, the magisterial weight or lack thereof of its acts and the hermeneutic of continuity versus that of rupture. The anti-church has used the label ecumenical council to give authority and legal force to its revolutionary agenda, just as Bergoglio calls his political manifesto of allegiance to the New World Order an encyclical letter. So now we know what Archbishop Vigano thinks of the encyclical, <laughs> and it's not, I mean, that's pretty spot on, a political manifesto of allegiance to the New World Order. Yeah. And the, the phrase anti-church, I have to admit, initially, I was against it. I'm still a little uncomfortable with the word anti-church, but I think it, it can work. And let me explain why I was uncomfortable with it and why, how I think it can work. You know how at the beginning, Matt, we we're talking about all there is is Christ and the devil. There's two camps at war. Right. Christ and the devil. The kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of Satan. Children of light, children of darkness. Well, my concern is, is when you bring in the term anti-church, people could understand it as a third thing. That's why I was initially not comfortable with the term. So mm -hmm. the way you, you might wrongly understand things is there are, is the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the one true church. There's the kingdom of Satan. And then there's this thing in the middle called the anti-church, which is kind of Christian, but run by bad people like Theodore McCarrick. Right. Right. And we need to we need to realize that the anti-church is actually part of the kingdom of Satan, but it's infiltrated and is working like a parasite amongst the children of light. Mm -hmm. Right. So in that sense, it is sort of a a blending, right? But it's not a third entity. It actually belongs to the kingdom of Satan. Right. So I think there can be some confusion and slipping with this analogy, and that's why initially I, I thought, mm, I'm not so sure about this. 
But I think as long as we keep those distinctions in mind, it works. And, I, and of course, Vigano is doing that. Right. He also, I meant to say this earlier in one of the earlier sections, uh, I know we're running short on time, but um, he mentions Bishop Fulton Sheen in a talk that Sheen gave back in 1947 called Signs of Our Times. And, he, and Sheen in that talk mentions what he called a counter-church, which is another way of understanding this, right. this notion. And so what Sheen said, and he's describing the marks, so to speak, of the Antichrist and his religion— that he will come disguised as the great humanitarian and such sounds very familiar to what a lot of stuff we're hearing about today with the great reset and everything that he will invoke religion to destroy religion also sounds very familiar. But this is the quote where he talks about the, the counter church. He says, because his religion, meaning the antichrist will be brotherhood without the fatherhood of God. Mm -hmm. He will deceive even the elect he will set up a counter church, which will be the ape of the church, because he, because he, the devil, is the ape of God. It will be the mystical body of the Antichrist that will, in all externals, resemble the church as the mystical body of Christ. So I don't know if, if Sheen and Vigano are speaking about the exact same I think thing. So. But, and, and also yeah. we have Lefebvre was referring to the conciliar church. Right. Right, and this is this is the language that, um, yeah, I, I I wasn't aware that this this language actually, well, of course it has its origin in Saint John's letters when he talks about false brethren, right, right. But the idea of counter church, anti church, parallel church, conciliar church, all this is it's being used by Fulton Sheen. Yep, in 1947. 1947. That's a long ways before Archbishop Lefebvre. Yes, it is. This thing. <laughs> Yes, it is. So to come to the conclusion of this lecture, as always, he tries to end on a, Vigano tries to end on a very galvanizing, you know, exhortation, a call to arms. He says, the only way to win this battle is to go back to doing what the church has always done and to stop doing what the anti-church asks of, the, of us today, that which the true church has always condemned. And remember, this uh, lecture was delivered the weekend of Christ the King. He says, let us put our Lord Jesus Christ, King and High Priest, back at the center of the life of the church. And before that, at the center of the life of our communities, of our families, and of ourselves. Let us restore the crown to Our Lady, Mary, Most Holy, Queen and Mother of the Church. And then he goes on to get even more specific. Let us return to, the, to celebrate the traditional holy liturgy worthily and to pray with the words of the saints, not with the ramblings of the modernists and heretics. <laughs> uh, great line, Archbishop Vigano. Love it. Love it. Let us begin uh, again to savor the writings of the fathers of the church and the mystics and to throw into the fire the works imbued with modernism and immanticism excuse me, imantism, or imantist sentiment, sentimentalism. Sorry, it's a little bit of a tongue twister. Yes. Let us support with prayer and material help the many good priests who remain faithful to the true faith and withdraw all support from those who have come to terms with the world and its lies. So it's like that financial interdict that you've mentioned on the show right. before. We cut off all heretical bishops, priests, and religious orders. Not one penny. Yep. 
That needs to be the hashtag, not one penny. Not one penny. And I'm sure you really appreciated this section with the you know the theme of be the Maccabee. He yep, says, yep. let us be inspired by the example of the holy Maccabee martyrs before a new Antiochus who asks us to sacrifice to idols and to abandon the true God. He goes on to, I'll let you read the, the scripture quote if you'd like. To. Sure, he says, let us respond with the words praying to the Lord. So now, O sovereign of the heavens, send a good angel to spread terror and trembling before us. By the might of your arm, may these blasphemers who come against your holy people be struck down. Second Maccabees 15.23. That, that, I need to make that into a t-shirt. There you go. <laughs> Doesn't sound much like the interreligious dialogue we <laughs> hear so much yeah, about. Yeah, we need Pope Francis in his time machine. <laughs> Judah Maccabee, don't be violent. Just dialogue with these these uh, dialogue with Antiochus and these Greek pagans who want you to eat pig and destroy your temple and worship idols. Just dialogue with them. That'll work. Accompany their paganism. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Two thumbs down. Right. And Any, he gets into the rosary. Yes, he does. I'm telling you, I got to love Vigano. You're talking about be the Maccabee. And then he finishes with praying the rosary. I mean, that just sounds familiar to me. I yep. love that recipe. And he specifically, he uh, calls our attention to tomorrow, November 3rd, the election day. Mm -hmm. In the days leading up to November 3rd, I invite everyone to join in a rosary crusade, a sort of siege of Jericho, not with seven trumpets made of ram's horns sounded by priests, but with the Hail Marys of the little ones and the innocent to bring down the walls of the deep state and of the deep church. Yes. Yes. Great, before great that, he talks about the block rosary children, which they would have thousands of children in every village or neighborhood pray the rosary to implore peace, an old tradition. Yeah. And each child holding a little piece of wood, like a mini altar with an image of Our Lady and a small candle on it. Uh, can we please bring this back? Yes. I would like to see a thousand kids each holding a piece of wood like a mini altar with Our Lady on it and a small candle on it. How powerful would that be? Yep. Love it. So, yeah, he says, the woman clothed the sun that the reign of Our Lady and Mother may be restored in the eclipse that afflicts us, shorten, and may God bless these holy intentions. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. And before we sign off here, Matt, I just want to read this line from the Pope's open, I'm sorry, from Freudian slip, not the Pope, <laughs> Archbishop Vigano's open letter to President Trump. He says, a global plan called the Great Reset is underway. Its architect is a global elite that wants to subdue all of humanity, imposing coercive measures with which to drastically limit individual freedoms and those of the entire of entire populations. In several nations, this plan has already been approved and financed, and others it is still in its early stage. Behind the world leaders, who are the accomplices and executors of this infernal project, there are unscrupulous characters who finance the World Economic Forum and Event 201, promoting their agenda. The purpose of the Great Reset is the imposition of a health dictatorship aiming at the imposition of libitoral libiter sidle he uses these good words <laughs> it's a li it's liberty side 
measures hidden behind tempting promises of ensuring a universal income and canceling individual debt. So Vigano realizes that what is going on with the Abu Dhabi document, Fratelli Tutti, Laudato Si, he believes all these things are playing into a coercive measure to bring about the loss of freedom, a health tech technological dictatorship over the whole world. And this is why he prays for the re-election of President Trump. This is his prayer, and this is why he says... To be an instrument of divine providence is a great responsibility for which you will certainly receive all the graces of state that you need since they are being fervently implored for you by the many people who support you with their prayers. And I think that's a good thing to end with, Archbishop Vigano's words. And I think we should join Vigano in these prayers of so many millions of people here in America and abroad. Yes. So should we, let's pray our, our... Hail Mary for President Trump and Vigano and their alliance against the globalists, against the Great Reset, and for Christ the King. Sound good? Yes. All Sound right. good. Oremos. Nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in molieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto. Sicud erat in principio et nunc et semper, et in secula seculorum. Amen. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritui Sancti. Amen. Amen. I make a request. Everyone, when you go to, in America, when you go to vote tomorrow, November 3rd, I'd like to ask you to do a couple things. I'd like to ask you to bring with you at least a rosary in your pocket, maybe some holy water and maybe some blessed salt. Wear your scapular. Wear your miraculous medal. Get, as Jesse Romero says, get churched up. Get churched up. All right? Bring Jesus with you into the voting booth and bring the sacramentals with you. You don't know by bringing the sacramentals you might dispel wickedness. You might dispel demons. Yep. So bring with you scapular, medals, holy water, holy salt, rosary. Get churched up. Bring that with you. In the, I mean, you should do this all the time, but especially in, in moments like this, uh, go in strapped sacramentally. And make sure you're praying the rosary every day as Archbishop Vigano invited us. Pray the rosary every day or you're not on the team. Right, Matt? Yep, yep. So there it is. Everybody go check out Catholic Family News. That's where Matt Gaspers does all of his work. It's fantastic. It's a great newspaper. You should sign up and get that newspaper. There's a digital version, but I recommend you get the physical version. And uh, go check out that speech that we just covered. It's over at, uh, is that Remnant TV? Uh, There's transcripts. uh, LifeSite News published the transcript. Uh, My my outlet, Catholic Family News, published it. So it's available at catholicfamilynews.com. And then for folks who do want to see the actual address, uh, Archbishop Vigano speaking, that's available from the remnant uh, on their YouTube channel. Right. Yep. Yeah. 
It's 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 Vigano right there. The camera. It is it's fantastic. Yeah, first time, so, first time he's been on camera yeah. like that since August 2018 when yeah. he went into hiding. So. Exactly. So it's pretty it's pretty awesome to watch that. So so check that out. Um, please like the video. Give it a thumbs up. I'm getting 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 a lot more throttled lately. My Facebook page isn't working right. I can't post these videos on Facebook. It's weird. Um, share this video if you can on Facebook, on Twitter. Hit the share button. Give it a shot. Try it. See if it works. I'm curious. Let me know if it doesn't. And then uh, if you're new, subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell. And you'll be notified whenever I go live on shows like this. And uh, also thanks to everybody who supports on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Marshall, And I'll send you some thank you gifts. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for watching. Pray that rosary every day. Tomorrow's the big day. Pray for the holy souls. Do penance for them. And remember our Lord Jesus Christ that you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless. Godspeed. Matt Gaspers, thanks a million. Thank you. Good analysis.